from the Mercy One Studio. Welcome to Straight Talk, a lively discussion on tough issues impacting our lives. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Here's your host, Gene Wells, brought to you by Blackbird Investments. Welcome to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. It is your weekly dose of news from the diocese and around the world, plus commentary on tough issues impacting our lives. Straight Talk, you've got questions. We've got answers for you. I'm Jean Wells, and I count among my so, so many blessings the opportunity to broadcast from the Mercy One studio here at Iowa Catholic Radio, and also grateful to Blackbird Investments for sponsoring Straight Talk. Now, doing what is challenging because it is right, that is Blackbird Investments. When it comes to building real estate, they look for creative solutions by forming strategic alliances, creating energy-efficient buildings, and engaging with local craftsmen. At its core, Blackbird believes in giving buildings a new life. For more information, you can find them online at blackbirdinvest.com. Now, on today's show, we're discussing the source and summit of our faith, the Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord. And you may say, really, Jean, I thought you did things that caused angst. Well, you know, there are people that don't really believe that Jesus is the real presence, that the this Eucharist is the real presence. So, yes, that does give some folks angst. And in, in this time with the coronavirus, there's a lot of angst around receiving the Eucharist or not being able to receive it. And my guest today is the one that can answer those questions for us. It's Bishop William Johnson, the 10th Bishop of the Diocese of Des Moines. And we decided on this topic a couple months ago, long before the coronavirus ever became an issue. So I think it's divine providence that we are having this conversation during Holy Week, especially at a time when we cannot receive Jesus in the sacrament. So let's give a little background. I always like to do that. Transubstantiation, the idea that during Mass, the bread and wine used for communion become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It is central to our Catholic faith. Indeed, the Catholic Church teaches that the Eucharist is the source and summit of Christian life. But a new Pew Research survey uh, finds that most self-described Catholics don't believe this core teaching. In fact, nearly 7 in 10 Catholics say that they personally believe that during Mass, the bread and wine used in communion are symbols of the body and blood of Jesus. Just one-third of U.S. Catholics say they believe that during Catholic Mass, the bread and wine actually become the body and blood of Jesus. Hmm. In addition to asking Catholics what they believe about the Eucharist, this survey also included a question that tested whether Catholics know what the Church teaches on the subject. Most Catholics who believe that the bread and wine are symbolic do not know that the Church holds that transubstantiation occurs. They don't have that intellectual knowledge. Overall, 43% of Catholics believe that the bread and wine are symbolic and also that this reflects the position of the church. Hmm. Still, one in five Catholics, just 22%, reject the idea of transubstantiation, even though they know about the church's teachings. This is disheartening to me, but not surprising. As a cradle Catholic and a graduate of Catholic school, I was taught about transubstantiation, but never gave it much thought until I was probably in my 40s. I was rooted enough in the church, though, that I didn't immediately discount what I was taught, but instead grew to love the Eucharist. Many of my peers didn't bother, though, and that is the crux of the issue. 
if 69% believe the Eucharist is a symbol and don't care to explore or grow in their faith, we have a very big issue on our hands. Some events coming up. Well, as you know, everything in person is canceled. But uh, this Friday, uh, that's April 10th at 11 a.m., the USCCB org. That's the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. So USCCB.org on Facebook. Uh, they will have a national prayer with Archbishop Gomez. And together as a nation, we will pray the litany of the sacred heart of Jesus. So mark that on your calendar. It's an event that you can go to wherever you are. It's on Facebook, USCCB.org. And in the news, uh, by all accounts, the next two weeks will be the peak of the coronavirus for us. Dr. Anthony Fauci warned Americans in an interview on CBS that it is going to be a bad week ahead as there is an escalation in cases, but that within a week or so, the number of cases should start to flatten out. So please pray for our state and follow the directives of our governor. The best things to be doing right now, nothing. Stay at home. Be safe. Now, our Catholic schools, as you know, it was announced this last week, are closed until further notice. Through the efforts efforts of our administrators, teachers, and parents, the continued education of our children that they are receiving is truly phenomenal. And related to Catholic education, the Catholic Tuition Organization has extended their deadline for applying for CTO for next year to, uh, to April 17th. Now, you're saying that's not very far. That doesn't give us much time. Well, the good news is that you don't have to get your 2019 taxes done. This year, we will accept your 2018 taxes plus W-2s or 1099s if you are self-employed. So get that application in. You'll find out then in June what your tuition assistance will be for this fall. Don't delay. Go to ctoiowa.org to find out complete details on applying. Hey, when we come back from our break, we'll be visiting with Bishop William Johnson, the 10th Bishop of the Diocese of Des Moines, on the source and summit of our faith, the Eucharist. It's time for Straight Talk, right now on Iowa Catholic Radio. Hi, this is Father John Ricardo, and I want to thank Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory for underwriting Christ is the Answer. Losing a loved one, as we know, is never easy, and it can leave you feeling lost and even hopeless at times. But Caldwell Parish helps ease that burden by sincerely caring both about your loss and about your faith. Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory is Des Moines' only Catholic-owned and operated funeral home. The number is 515-276-0551 or online at caldwellparish.com. Impoverished children break everyone's heart, but poverty seems like such a big problem. What can one person do to make a difference? For 17 years, Blessman International's passion has been to connect the resources of our donors with sustainable programs that impact the lives of impoverished children in South Africa. Our donors are feeding thousands of hungry children every week, providing basic water and sanitation for impoverished communities, and sharing the love of God in practical ways every day. Go to www.blessmaninternational.org and make your donation today. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. 
Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq-demoin.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Nearly 64% of all abortions in Iowa are chemical, or more commonly known, the abortion pill. At Intervisions Healthcare, we do not provide the abortion pill, but we do provide the medical information required to make an informed decision. If a woman regrets taking the first pill, she can come to Intervisions to help reverse the effects. Our nursing staff is trained in the abortion pill reversal protocol, a relatively new medical procedure, but we need your help in getting the word out. For more information on the free medical services at Intervisions Healthcare or to support the mission, visit IVHcare.org. Like Iowa Catholic Radio on Facebook. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Gene Wells, and uh, we are not accepting texts today uh, as we are pre-recording with my guest, uh, Bishop William Johnson, the 10th Bishop of the Diocese of Des Moines, and we're talking about uh, the Blessed Sacrament, the Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith. And Bishop, when we scheduled your time on Straight Talk, you selected the date. I gave you any Tuesday between now and 2022, and uh, <laughs> just because I wanted to have you on the show, and you wanted to do it on Holy Week um, because we wanted to talk about the Eucharist, and Holy Thursday uh, is the institution of the Eucharist, and um, I mean, what a blessed day, and that begins the Triduum, uh, the most sacred week of the year, and I'd love for you to to give us a perspective, you know, um, your love of the Tridu- Triduum and Holy Thursday, um, give us that kind of framework of, of Bishop Johnson. <laughs> well, first of all, I, you know, I think part of the attraction to having our time together was this week, of course, with the great uh, celebration of the, the most sacred days, the, the Paschal mystery, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Part of it was too, Gene, I think I had to work up to it, you know, six months waiting after installation and ordination as a bishop before I felt ready and girded did, my did, loins to meet you and to, to really be, be subject talk. myself to uh-huh. straight talks. Because <laughs> this is straight talk. <laughs> right. Yeah. None of this, uh, you know, bilious, you know, you know obfuscation or whatever yeah. that, uh, you know. You know, blah, 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 blah. No, no, let's yeah, This go is to not it. the warm and fuzzy gene. Yeah, yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. But no, I certainly have come to know you as a woman on fire for the Eucharist and your great love. So uh, when we know that and that resonates with people that we are pray with and that we are able to, to share this mystery, uh, I think, you know, even my brief encounters on a one-on-one basis with Father John Ricardo when he was in mm-hmm. town, you know, here it was at late fall uh, and everything, and just just a few moments and just kind of talking about early religious experiences that we had. And just, again, it was only a 10 minute conversation, but he's, he shared his when he was five years old. And, and I think for me, even though there was an d- abiding sense of a great mystery with the Eucharist and that this was something 
awesome and and real. I think even Jesus, kind of about when I was 10 years old, just kind of breaking in that this wasn't just, it was real, but this is the most real thing, Mm -hmm. the most real thing, that burning experience. And I mean, that was a particular grace and it's something we can't manufacture or kind of, you know, call up in ourselves. And I think that's something where, you know, it's surrounded by faith, but that Jesus does break through sometimes with that most intimate sense. So I think there was a great sense of reverence, you know, prior to, but certainly as an altar server, you know, it was in the 60s and 70s, a lot of cultural ferment and all that was going on and the swirl of all of that and being in a college town. But it was kind of an anchor in the liturgy. It kind of gave the rhythm of, of all of, of life for us as our family, that the, the sacred seasons, the liturgical seasons, really became the, the reference point by who we were and where, what we were about. And so it was not unusual, uh, even at an early age, given the number of daily masses that were going on at St. Thomas Aquinas Student Center names, with all the priests that were there, to go to Mass every day uh, during Lent in particular, and then to really immerse ourselves in, in, the, in the Triduum, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and then perhaps going back on Easter Sunday, not always, you know, that wasn't always something there, but it was just all there. And so the Mm -hmm. death and resurrection of Jesus, you know, some of the traditions that maybe people my age or older would remember weren't always observed, like the covering of statues and everything else, but it was just Mm -hmm. that that sense of the manifestation of something powerful, something compelling, something personal, and all of that, you know, that we just weren't spectators, you know, like going to a, a college athletic event or something, you know, where you didn't paint you're, your you're, face to yeah, go to mass yeah, yeah, or anything. You're, yeah. you're, you're caught up in the, uh, you know, in the emotion of it. But uh, this is something where you can't orchestrate the emotions even. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think there was a time where I would participate in it. And, you know, you could probably have me pegged then for my future vocation. But even to go home and, and kind of reenact those mysteries, you mm-hmm. know, those liturgies even. My brother David would get drawn into it once in a while, sometimes willingly, sometimes, uh, com- you know, compelled to, So what to was that. your host when you were a kid? Was it a vanilla uh, yeah, wafer host, you know, or probably, a There's there probably a variety of things, anything from a potato chip to a, a, a wafer or whatever. Yeah, you're right. So those Yeah, ours cracker, was Kool-Aid then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there you go. I don't, I know, you know, I don't even remember what, the, the, what was uh, capturing the precious blood. But, but I think you pointed something out that that's where, you know, clearly I knew I was reenacting rather than, as we say, in terms of the Eucharist, it's truly the representation of, which isn't just, you know, a layer or two pried off of reality, but the actual making real, the manifestation of what Jesus did. Uh, obviously anticipating uh, at the Lord's Supper, his death on the cross mm-hmm. on Calvary the next day. But as he said, and as Paul you know, says, you know, hand on what uh, I received, that uh, the night he took bread and after he'd given thanks, broke and said, this is my body, this is, that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, and then so to the cup. This is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. And so Jesus already offering himself, but I think with a great compassion and uh, maybe reverence for our human sensibilities, that, uh, you know, we're not cannibals, you know, uh, even though... It's one of many, the arguments. Many, many carnivore, you mm-hmm. know, but that, but that we are truly experiencing the union and taking into ourselves his very body and blood, albeit in a sacramental form, a sacramental form, which we think about even some of the different sacraments. But the Eucharist is not just then achieving the effect, you know, that 
when a couple gets married and they pronounce those vows to each other, they lay down their lives, they become husband and wife, a new reality, the bond between them exists, but they don't cease to be who they were as mm -hmm. baptized persons prior to that. They retain their individuality. Here's something more radical is happening in the Eucharist that, as you men made mention, this technical term of transubstantiation, you know, transubstantiation, that it becomes a new reality. It ceases to mm -hmm. be what it was. Trans change. Change, absolutely yeah. change, you know. And, and, you know, we can freight that term with all sorts of things, but, you know, we're doing this all the time. Things are being changed from one thing into another all the time. I mean, I, I've changed my breakfast, my uh, cereal, and, uh, and my yogurt and my fruit into me, you know, or at least mm -hmm. that's a process that's going on right now, you know. So it's ceased to be what it was, and now it's becoming part of Johnson, you know, which is a, a scary thing for some, you know. But uh, so, but you know, Bishop, it's 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 one of these things. It is such a mystery. I mean, I I would think that at some point in time, if we ever truly grasped it in our human weakness and our little minds, that we would crawl to communion in tears if we really understood it. But we just we we seem to go up in this herd mentality. We're in our lines. We're looking and seeing who's there and what we're doing, mm -hmm. you know. And it's like, can we ever really grasp what Jesus did for us? Well, please you know, say it, yes. It, <laughs> uh, I don't look to ever exhaustively grasp it in this life. Perhaps when uh, we are privileged in grace, if the Lord should will, to draw us into that heavenly banquet feast and to commune with all the saints in heaven, uh, perhaps then, uh, then. But I think even then, we'll never get bored. We'll never tap it out, even mm -hmm. in heaven, that there'll be a depth and, a, and a, a profundity, if you will. And so, you know, I've I kind of coined my own little definition of a mystery that it's reality at play with its own depth dimension, reality mm -hmm. at play with its own profundity. And so uh, by our hum own human capacity, we can no more fully grasp the Eucharist than we can grasp the very Godhead himself, you know, right. the, 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 the blessed Trinity in <laughs> itself, because that's really, you know, that uh, as uh, Monsignor uh, Lorenzo Abbasete said, you know, that the Eucharist kind of captures and in impresses, if you will, Jesus's own relationship with the Father. And as an incarnate being, you know, and so, you know, even to ponder that, what's going on there is he's offering himself, mm -hmm. but offering us, but then from what he received in terms of the will of the Father, that will that he offer himself on the cross and his own body and blood then is poured out for us. And so, uh, you know, I think I uh, you know, was once working kind of in a, you know, not, it wasn't full RCIA, a Christian initiation, but by the circumstances working with a good old engineer for John Deere. You know, and a tremendous man of faith, and it was the appointed time in his life in his 40s. His wife wasn't forcing him to do it. But just as he was on the verge of, you know, entering the church, he just said, ah, oh, this Eucharist thing, I just don't know. You know, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't honestly say to myself that I can figure this out or that I can believe it in all that it is, you know, that it's being proposed to me. He wasn't adopting a skeptical attitude, but as a good, you know, engineer, you know, he likes... The empirical. He would the, like the schematic. The word of numbers. and Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, and to show, you know, how this all happens. But I didn't hold that up as, a, as a, a stumbling block for him because his will was to do this. And I think what we do is we submit ourselves to the mystery. You know, as we heard yesterday in Philippians, we bend the knee, which is we bend our whole being to this, mm -hmm. our will and our intellects to this. And let the mystery come to us, if you will. Which yeah. is why, totally sidebar, <laughs> but this is why you go to Mass early. 
you know, you put aside the rest of all the busyness and you get there a few minutes early and, and to to wipe out. I mean, it takes me five minutes to get all the stuff rumbling around in my head mm-hmm. out so that you can focus. I mean, I want to grasp this. And I think that would make Jesus pleased to know that we're constantly trying to grasp because oh. we, we don't have the capacity. Yeah. And Gene, you know, I mean, you keep using this word of grasp and, and yeah, I think the light goes on for us at times. There are mm-hmm. particular graces where, uh, aha, you know, again, something of the mystery, a new facet of it is it disclosed to us. And I think our own life experience is so ingredient to all of that for us to have that happen. But again, uh, it's not something we lay hold of, you know, I mean, you know, sometimes people when they receive communion, they don't hold their hands out kind of like a throne to receive the host, either placed on their tongue or in their hand. They're kind of trying to grab it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I don't slap their hand or anything like that, but I think that's something. Oh, if I only had the camera but, but when that, that But that's sometimes our human disposition is mm-hmm. I'm going to lay hold of this, you know, I'm going to seize this by my own initiative and power. And I think that's where... You know, we lay that aside by if God frees us in this way, and so that we can actually then allow Jesus to reveal Himself as He chooses. You know, as mm-hmm. He disclosed, and that's why all these, you know, resurrection appearances of Jesus after after uh, Easter Sunday are so vital in John's Gospel and other places. I think mm-hmm. for kind of unpacking what's going on there, our humanity is still very much part of who Jesus is. And mm-hmm. so he hasn't disdained that or cast that off as a kind of a now a useless uh, auxiliary component of his being, you know? And so I think that's, he, he's fully invested in doing this, doing this once and for all, but allowing us by virtue of the sacrament to, to commune with him. And so, yeah, I think the more we can recollect, the mm-hmm. more we can allow ourselves to be connected to the word and present to the word, you know, the Vatican II spoke of the one table of word and sacrament. And, and all that's going on there, the more I think uh, all that is embedded in in the Eucharist, Jesus' whole being, not only the mystery of who he is as the beloved son, you know, the one who breathes the spirit to us, but who we are. And so he's deciphering this mystery, if you will. You know, I think the scientists have already unlocked the genetic code for the coronavirus, you know, and that's the basis of now what they're trying to do to provide the, the uh, vaccine for all mm-hmm. of this. Well, we don't want to be vaccinated against Jesus, you know, but right. the code that he unlocks. And so the more we allow ourselves not to be allergic or, or scattered in ourselves uh, by virtue of, well, come on, this is too much. This is a, a wild and scandalous proposal, you know, and it was for the people who heard Jesus in John 6 talking, you know, he said, you know, my flesh is real food. My blood mm-hmm. is real drink. And, and some people even, left. Even, yeah, and, and even the disciples who were pretty much committed already. Whoa, wait a minute. This is this yeah. is a bit much to, to stomach right now. And so now, Bishop, when we talk about this mystery and and you know, this is my body, it's my blood. As a priest, mm-hmm. how did you get? <laughs> how did you get that around in your head that you would be given the grace? to change the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. I mean, I, I mean, yes, there's that discernment to be a priest. I am never mm-hmm. going to get married, you know, all of those very practical things. But, right. but discerning that, that God would choose me to do this. 
<laughs> wow, do we have another hour? But yeah. uh, no, but but I think it was this. Oh, sorry, we're yeah, no, break. yeah, right. No. <laughs> no, I mean, it, I think any priest has a personal story, but we always, you know, we resonate as we hear common elements in that. That yes, it's not our own unworthiness. That there was a, a tug on one's heart, one's being. It was a, you know, that you know the, the, the questions that we have as for anyone discerning vocation meet with question the proposal that God offers to us. But then I think there's some affirmation from the community on that natural level, the human level. But I just think that, you know, it's, I don't know, it's like a moth drawn to flame or something, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, we just can't help ourselves, even though we recognize it's going to be all consuming. You know, we know that. Uh, and yet it still goes on. You know, mm-hmm. has anyone given himself over in a perfect self-offering yet? I don't I don't think so. You know, I mean, I think there are moments we come very close. Mm-hmm. I think we see that with the uh, with all the healthcare professionals right now who are truly recognizing this may cost me everything. Mm-hmm. And if it were only themselves, but obviously their family and children and all that's there. The and you pu- see them camping out in their garage right. in a tent. So that they aren't going inside to where their children and and their wife or their husband is located. I mean, it's like it's not just they're giving themselves away in the hospital. They are isolated everywhere else, too. I mean, you talk about needing a hug. I mean, I can't imagine. Amen. I can't imagine. Amen. Yeah. And isn't that what in the Eucharist, as it were, Jesus is embracing all that we are. He says who you are as you are. I give myself to you. I want to dwell in you. I want to tent with you mm-hmm. and bless you and fill you with my presence uh, so that what we think we're taking into ourselves is really he who is the host taking us into himself. So just to kind of you know, close the, the loop with mm-hmm. the question that you offered, I think you know, every priest feels that, well, it's not my own worthiness. I think it's an acute sense. You know, Lord, I am not worthy not only to receive you, but to be the one who mm-hmm. speaks your words who not just as in some of the other sacraments, I absolve you from your sins, but to actually the words of institution, the very words of Jesus, that you are acting in the person of Christ, the head, persona Christi capitis, mm-hmm. you know, in that way. The unique, I mean, the whole body of Christ is always acting in every Eucharist, which might anticipate a later question you have about <laughs> mass without a congregation right now. Yeah. But, 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 oh, Lord, it is not, you know, you know, kind of what, what's the story in the, uh, the Old Testament where they were moving the Ark of the Covenant and it began to tip a little bit and they stuck their hands out to, to steady it and immediately struck down, you know, it was going, you know, in the time of David and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should have had my scriptural quotes ready to go here. But, <laughs> you know, that, you know, to not only to, to see God, but to touch God was to be overwhelmed, you know, to be, if you will, incinerated by this burning mystery of the holiness of God. But again, this all follows from the incarnation of Jesus. And so he knows what he's getting into. Mm-hmm. He knows that, you know, a priest who's celebrating four masses on a weekend or something, or I even, you know, I heard a priest in Lima, Peru, when I was down there many years ago, 19 masses on a weekend as he rode his motorcycle out to the various small communities that he was with. You know, you're not always going to be absolutely attuned to that mystery, you know, because you're looking at your but, watch. But, well, or yeah, well, how much or time just, do I yeah, have? And, right, yeah. or just you know, we are human beings and the mm-hmm. fatigue factor. But the great docility of the reverence of the priest is to do what the church says we are to do, to do what the Lord ultimately has enjoined us to do. Do this in memory of me. 
just as he says, you know, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, forgive sins, you know, and all that that is given in that why. So I think there's this uh, attitude of, of the service that is given, and when one sees the hunger of people, and yeah, some people are people are all different places, mm-hmm. but here we are in, in the United States queuing up in our nice orderly lines and, and things, and yet uh, people, you know, it's, it's, you know, with Jesus, our heart is moved with pity for the crowds who are so hungry, and just when we think, you know, we need to check out and get a little break and be restored, it is that desire of people to be replenished with the living presence of Jesus sacramentally realized in the Eucharist that calls us to be the priests mm-hmm. that God has, has elected us to be. You know, We're going to be taking a break, but when we come back, Bishop, that leads us right into our conversation about we don't get to receive the, re- the Blessed Sacrament right now. I wondered when you'd get to that. <laughs> yeah. And we are hungry. Uh, it's, a, it's a challenge for all of us. You're listening to Straight Talk. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Bishop Johnson talking about the most blessed sacrament. Doing what is challenging because it's right. That's Blackbird Investments. In 2013, Blackbird Investments was born from the inspiration of St. Kevin. When it comes to building real estate, they look for creative solutions by forming strategic alliances, creating energy-efficient buildings, and engaging with local craftsmen. At its core, Blackbird Investments believes in giving buildings a new life. BlackbirdInvest.com Blackbird Investments, doing what is challenging because it's right. Thank you to Mercy One for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. From the cardiovascular experts at the Iowa Heart Center to the pediatric services of Mercy Children's Hospital and Clinics. Mercy provides complete care for Central Iowa's adults and children with more than 50 primary care and specialty clinics in the Des Moines area. Find a convenient Mercy One location near you. Online at mercydesmoines.org. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio's broadcast of Dowling Catholic Sports and Activities is provided by Kemen, a global ingredient manufacturer using science to transform the quality of life for 80% of the world. Kemen is on the leading edge of molecular science, manufacturing more than 500 specialty ingredients for the human and animal health and nutrition, pet food, aquaculture, nutraceutical, food technologies, crop technologies, and textile industries. Kemen strives to sustainably transform the quality of life every day for 80% of the world with their products and services. Kemen, using science to transform the world. Online at Kemen.com. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Since 1924, St. Vincent de Paul has been helping those less fortunate work towards self-sufficiency. Last year, St. Vincent de Paul helped over 20,000 individuals with food, clothing, and shelter, while also offering classes in financial literacy, high school completion, career readiness, and prisoner re-entry. SVDPDSM.org, 515-282-8327. Shop, donate, volunteer, serve. This message was brought to you by Homemakers Furniture. 
Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. We'll have a few clouds, but fair for the afternoon and very warm, going up to about 80, and wind will be gusty. Breezy tonight down to the upper 40s, and then maybe some showers and thunderstorms tomorrow. The weather is brought to you by Rock Valley Physical Therapy, outstanding outpatient physical therapy and sports medicine rehabilitation with seven convenient locations in the Des Moines metro and southwest Iowa area. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Gene Wells, and my guest today is Bishop William Johnson. And and being Tuesday of Holy Week, and, and we look forward to the beginning of the Triduum this Thursday and in the institution of the Eucharist at the Last Supper. Uh, what a blessing to have Bishop here with me today and to have this conversation. And, and of course, uh, I, have, I have a bone to pick. actually you know being being obedient it's like you know you've made the choice that we are going to isolate ourselves from each other at mass no masses no eucharist we you know going to do everything we can to protect the faithful and um you know there are people that don't like this they, I, I mean, I've, they, I've received more than a few really? messages from some, yes. What a surprise. <laughs> I mean, there's there's this one guy that's not from our diocese that is just livid about this, that he considers this, you know, an essential service, just as much as going to the grocery store. Um, what is what is your response? I mean, you know, how how can we survive, really, without the body and blood of Jesus? I think the, the the great faith that we have in the Eucharistic Lord is also the faith that we have that uh, Jesus is able to communicate himself, overcoming our human uh, obstacles or limitations, uh, affording us the grace that is ours. And I think this is the sense then where the church being church and the great mercy and compassion of God. I get it, this Eucharistic hunger, and I mm-hmm. think uh, no priest right now is is being uh, either kind of dismissive or condescending to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's even more humbling for clergy right now to recognize this privilege that we have to be forever united. But in doing what the Church does, that the, that the Eucharistic offering is being made, that the Church mm-hmm. continues to pray on, uh, and our mode of participation in this has been temporarily uh, paused, if mm-hmm. you will, but that uh, with great solicitude for the body of Christ, the, the physical and spiritual health of people both at stake, and that we are incarnate beings. And so we don't simply say, you know, God is going to, you know, blithely protect me no matter what I do, as mm-hmm. if that we're, you know, uh, you know ignorant or dismissive of, of the reality that this is a, a perplexing disease, a virus that goes undetected in asymptomatic persons that has a a a, a, a drastically high rate of contagion that is happening and it's the most vulnerable people people who are compromised in any way who will suffer the most mm-hmm. and so our voluntary sense of yes we want this but to recognize i think just as you know, this would open up another maybe scab off of something else. But, you know, the common good, the good of the entire body, the body of Christ, mm-hmm. but also the body politic, you know, what are our responsibilities in this regard, too? To care and love our neighbor, to be mm-hmm. truly, you know, brother and sister to each other, that we wouldn't want to visit lethal harm upon them if we can at all avoid it. And the stakes are high here. Mm-hmm. And so I think very quickly as civil authority, the president, Governor Reynolds, you know, diminish that number upon which we could gather. 
then what are what's incumbent upon us as not only religious authority but you know also who have care for for the community and so i very quickly you know it's not just because you know i had microbiology at iowa and everything else i think you know, parasitology you know i mean yeah i mean i have enough science to be dangerous but it's what's what's being shared about this most perplexing thing that we can't just you know point a paint a scarlet c on people and know who's in yeah i, I think there's that epidemiological dimension here but it's also preceded and and superseded by this sense that God will come to people. The spiritual communion they make does not alleviate this hunger, which can only be met by the actual communion, but that God will not deprive people of the grace. I mean, I think this is a sense that there are parts in the world, and there's been times in human history, in the Middle Ages and beyond, where the church discontinued uh, you know, the, the practice of the faithful being present at the Eucharist. You know, our Holy Father right now is going through Holy Week without a congregation. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, our shepherd has something to say to us in this regard, that we don't uh, overlook or, or disregard the human facts, even in, in the spiritual. So the, the great, I've been on a roll here, if you <laughs> want to inject with a question, but I'm kind of leading to this sense then of where is the mercy of God made available, you know, like the tributaries from the temple in Ezekiel 47 that were part of my ordination. Mm-hmm. How does that current distributed self of the spirit reaching into our homes, our private places, the intimacy of our families, and to every human heart who's aching and crying out. Jesus, yes. I mean, hopefully that magnetic pull back to be present as a, as a body corporate drawn together. But for now, the spiritual sacrifice that is made is pleasing to God. And I think with the assurance of faith, just as with the whole matter of the plenary indulgences that are mm-hmm. here for us now, that the gates of mercy have been thrown wide open. And that if, even though we do continue with the sacrament of confession uh, under various you know, conditions being met, uh, that, that people are experiencing the, the, the transformative saving deliverance from the punishment due to sin, uh, with that desire again to, to, to be Eucharistic and, and mm-hmm. that. So, so I think, you know, the sense then that, that Eucharist is not just the noun, the person of Jesus, the real being, mm-hmm. but Eucharist is also a verb. It is something that we do together and that our way of being this Eucharistic action, which is the Mass, as we come together, you know, is itself the, the, the frame of reference and the primary moment whereby then we commune. The church has always reserved the Blessed Sacrament for those who are sick, and that, and and ordinarily we would be making that available to the mm-hmm. weakest members of our communities and things. But I think we've got some other factors there that that are in play. So I saw over the weekend a, a some parish somewhere, not here, where they had mass, not with the people, mm-hmm. and then the priest went outside and people walked up six feet apart to mm-hmm. receive the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And I know that you have received requests. Mm-hmm. I've seen some posts, some some very creative ways of trying to do this, and that um, you've said that's not the, the context that we should do it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I've seen the YouTube video, the mm-hmm. priest out in Connecticut or Massachusetts, right. yeah. you know, with the drive-through line and everything mm-hmm. else. And, and it's no doubt subjectively a great source of consolation for people. But I think, uh, you know, to organize, to have moments where, yeah, there might be some uh, you know, degree of, of preventive prophylactic uh, measures that are taken in this way. Uh, but, 
again, who are we and what is you know, the way in which we can truly, and so it kind of, the dispersal of the body of Christ, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if I did not believe that people were being afforded the grace that they would otherwise uh, be availing themselves of to go in this way. So it just, it, it inevitably brings a convergence of people, mm-hmm. you know, which is again, what we're not to be about, right. you know, and all right, we can, we can kind of uh, regiment this and keep the spacing and everything else. Um, is that really what we are doing when we do Eucharist, you mm-hmm. know? And again, not wanting to isolate people, you know, that, uh, you know, the me and Jesus mentality in this way, but at a certain point, just, you know, a judgment might be made. And I know this is beyond the control of other people and this falls on me or any other pastors and shepherds of the church and priests too. You know, they want mm-hmm. to feel their efficacy. They hear the ache and the hunger mm-hmm. people. And so they're coming up with different solutions. And so there's no, you know, uniform, uh, rule book or precept in these most extraordinary times. And I think, you know, it's that sensibility, but I think uh, the Holy Father is instructive for us in what he's doing. He's not asking us, you know, I was privileged my one year in Rome to be among the 50 or so priests who would distribute communion at uh, papal masses, Mm -hmm. you know, in and outside of St. Peter's, you know, when the mass is in the square and everything else. I've been at World Youth Days where, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and you kind of venture out. But you're always inviting that intimate, truly human presence. And that right now is what we are being called, whether there's a, a shelter in place order or not. This is what we're being called to do. I couldn't help but think of, of St. Paul Miki and companions. I always feel bad for the companions. They don't even get named. <laughs> but, you know, in, in, um, in their country, you know, well, as martyrs, but they didn't have, I believe it's China, right? Um, where they didn't have the Eucharist, they didn't have the Mass for hundreds of years, and yet when they came back, when the, the, the Christians came back to teach the Word, they found these faithful. And I have to, to keep that. It's like we do have the Mass. We have the, the blessings of technology that were not invented mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. where we can celebrate Palm Sunday and the Triduum coming up. So we can still be a part of that in a, in a unique way. Mm-hmm. But that spirit is is alive. The spirit doesn't go away because mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. didn't go to mass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We didn't receive the Eucharist. You know, I, I didn't do my homework on this. It's a kind of semi-vague recollection, but uh, I, w- whether it was Cardinal Dulles or whoever said that in places over the decades and centuries where people only had the Eucharist without the preaching of the word, that within generations, their Eucharistic faith basically was extinguished. Hmm. And so just the only the ritual representation of of Jesus in the sacrament. But where the word is preached, that is what I think this kind of irrepressible root of faith that I think even for Paul, you know, and so were there catechists and others who in a heroic way, you know, and at uh, the cost of persecution and martyrdom and there uh, that uh, we're doing this. So... There are some who've said, you know, well, is it priests kind of wimping out here when it's crunch time, you know? And again, I know many priests who would be willing to risk their own their own mortal uh, peril uh, mm-hmm. to do to offer the Eucharist in this way. But again, it's the sensitivity to the body of what we are with each other, and the stewardship of the life that God has given us as part of the stewardship of the life that comes to us through the grace of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, you know, it, you know, is the church? 
denying itself at this moment, or is it using, you know, that we as Catholics use what reason affords us? And this is where mm-hmm. some of our Protestant brothers and sisters in the southern part of the country who are kind of pressing on blithely and doggedly, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, I, I don't think that's a Catholic sensibility. Let's delve into this a little bit more after this break. Talk about that faith component, and, and I think this could be a great time of renewal for our, our faith community, because we are drawn, we are challenged to think about things in a different way and not to take everything as routine. So I think there will be a silver line, a blessing, a grace. Amen. Amen. Amen, sister. This is Gene Wells. You're listening to Straight Talk. My guest is Bishop Johnson. We'll be right back. Partial support for Catholic Women Now comes from injury attorney Fred Haas. When Iowans have been injured through no fault of their own, in a car, truck, or motorcycle accident, harmed in a work-related injury, or suffered injury due to negligence of others, Fred Haas has been on their side to help recover from financial, physical, and emotional loss. Fred, double D, Haas, double A. Online at fredhaas.com. The Des Moines Law Offices of Fred Haas. While we have time, let us do good. Thank you to Mercy One for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. From the cardiovascular experts at the Iowa Heart Center to the pediatric services of Mercy Children's Hospital and Clinics. Mercy provides complete care for Central Iowa's adults and children with more than 50 primary care and specialty clinics in the Des Moines area. Find a convenient Mercy One location near you. Online at mercydesmoines.org. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Thank you to Confluence Brewing Company for underwriting Christ is the Answer with Father Ricardo, heard Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Confluence Brewing Company is a local brewery in Des Moines featuring seasonal and limited release beers. They have cans and growlers to go, apparel, and other gifts for family and friends. Live music is featured in the tap room. Confluence Brewing Company is located off the bike trail south of Grays Lake. Thank you to Confluence Brewing Company for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio on the web at confluencebrewing.com. That's confluencebrewing.com. Nearly 64% of all abortions in Iowa are chemical, or more commonly known, the abortion pill. At Intervisions Healthcare, we do not provide the abortion pill, but we do provide the medical information required to make an informed decision. If a woman regrets taking the first pill, she can come to Intervisions to help reverse the effects. Our nursing staff is trained in the abortion pill reversal protocol, a relatively new medical procedure, but we need your help in getting the word out. For more information on the free medical services at Intervisions Healthcare or to support the mission, visit IVHcare.org. Follow Iowa Catholic Radio on Twitter. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Gene Wells, and my guest today is Bishop William Johnson, the 10th bishop of the Diocese of Des Moines. I mean, you get named bishop and, you know. You keep oh. saying the 10th bishop, you know. I mean, there's that, that corridor in the pastoral center for the diocese where, yeah. you know, now, now I'm the last spot open on that wall. Yeah, and where so, is it, your letter? Yeah, yeah my <laughs> letter. It's hanging below it. The paper oh, below it. Get, oh, yeah, it's all framed. I'm, a, oh. I'm official now. Oh, so, you, okay. Yeah, so it's. 
No going back. No, no. no going back. <laughs> Even though through all of this, maybe there are a few people <laughs> having buyer's remorse. Uh, you know, what did we get with him? Yeah. But uh, again, I, I feel their pain. Yeah. I feel their pain. Yeah. And I think every priest feels the pain who wants to be communing with his people, offering them the, the bread of life and the cup of salvation. And yet uh, this is what God has asked of us. And the cross... The cross that we experience, you know, to take up our cross daily, mm-hmm. is, is never the cross we fashion for ourselves. It's not something we pull down on ourselves. It's something that's proposed to us in, this, in the suffering and the circumstances of mm-hmm. our life. And this is, it doesn't get much bigger than this, does it? Bishop, I have to share with you, a couple Fridays ago, I thought I would be the lector at one of your masses, because um, I was supposed to sub on a Friday, and well, somebody else stepped in. And there were already 10 people at in the little chapel. And so mm. I sat out in the main body of the church to listen, and I cried. Mm. I, mm. I didn't realize how much I missed the Eucharist until that moment when I, I was so excited to be able to lecture, not because I liked to lecture, but because I was going to get to be a part of mm-hmm. that liturgy. Mm-hmm. And it made that more real when you allow those emotions to be real and it's like i miss jesus i miss having him as a daily communicant i miss him coming into my body and there are times if i can make it if i could recreate this every time that there are moments when i receive the body and blood of jesus and i feel it permeate like my every limb mm. and it's like oh that's so amazing that doesn't happen all the time but mm-hmm. but as a priest, knowing that you're faithful are not getting to receive, how does that hurt your heart? Well, and I think, you know, again, not to be able to hand on, as Paul says, what has mm-hmm. been handed on to us, you know. And again, so it's not like, you know, well, stuffing our own face, putting the, you know, receiving the Lord too. Yeah, you get the, to get the it. The priest yeah. is always communing with and for the body of Christ, that the, the offering there, you know, the, so that the fullness that we've always noticed that, you know, for the priest to validly celebrate Mass, to receive both species, he's certainly receiving the Lord fully in the mm-hmm. Eucharist, but to also receive from the cup, and that that is a, a sacrificial act uh, for the sake of the body, to commune in this way, to mm-hmm. for the integrity of the Mass to take place. And so I think, you know, any celebrant or anything else, because I imagine when we resume all of this, we won't be offering both species of, of the Eucharist. We won't be offering from the cup for some time to come. Mm-hmm. And again, that full human manifestation, even as we recognize. So as you're talking about this experience of weeping, you know, it's kind of almost, you know, transcending what Mary Magdalene, you know, They've taken my Lord. I don't know where they put him. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you did know where they put him. You do know where he is. And yet yeah. there's a, a kind of spiritual gulf, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, we think about Lazarus and the rich man, you know, just send someone across. Yeah. <laughs> just dip the finger in the water and That's just give right. me a sip, sip yeah. of love, you know, to do that. Hey, you didn't get it when they were there. I'm not. Yeah. You don't get to come across this, this yeah. chasm. Yeah. But, but, but what the rich man in that parable his heart had already been hardened. He'd lost, if you will, the appetite. He'd lost the capacity to, if you will, transubstantiate within himself to be drawn into you know, the covenant and, and life and spirit that God had given. That's not the case for the faithful who are aching and hurting and angry, quite honestly, because this has been wrested from them beyond their mm-hmm. control in this way. And uh, so I hope that can be translated into a fervent, solidarity with all those whom 
are, are not able to, they don't have enough priests. You know, we think of the Amazon region and the Synod on the Amazon. We think about places around the world where there are priests who are persecuted or simply that just is not presented to them on a, on a weekly or daily basis in this way. And to make a spiritual offering of this sacrifice that is real for people, this fasting that has been imposed upon them, to maybe all those numbers of people that you detailed in your opening segment, right. you know, that something would be kindled in them, that we would be roused to our senses, you know, that uh, just as the disciples at Emmaus, you know, well, he started talking to us and then suddenly something was ignited, and, mm-hmm. but it didn't really become apparent until we broke the bread. Right. You know, and that's where the light I went to on. Say to them, the, Are you clueless people? The light, the light went on yeah. finally at that moment. Or you know, go, the disciples going back to their old occupation. Well, I don't know. What, it's disorienting. Let's go fishing. Mm-hmm. Back to life as normal. Our lives should never be the same after all of this. Yeah, people are like, I can't wait to get back to normal. It's like really, right? You know, maybe our normal wasn't that great. Maybe there is a new normal that is going to be that lights are that that. Um, lights up our heart and our mind. And, you know, that's what I'm praying for through all of this. And and even to the, to the young men that maybe are discerning priesthood, that they see now the hunger of those and will say, you know, I need to explore this. You know, when, when we were young, my thought was if you went to seminary, that would mean you'd be a priest, period, end of discussion. I didn't understand there was this discernment. Now, right. for young men to take that opportunity to discern that, you know, that we are hungry. We, the people are hungry mm-hmm. for what you can provide us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think my own life trajectory, and I'm not going to recount my vocation story, but there was a time where, well, yeah, the church needs priests. Yeah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I, this, I got my thing to do. I've got mm-hmm. my life project. But when that became something, you know, uh, benign, attractive, you know, seductive, even, if you will, yes, this is a need. And it's a need that I want to to go forward, you know, you think mm-hmm. about all the healthcare professionals flocking from around the country to be in New York City, you know, their vocation. You'd think they'd go the opposite their direction. Their vocation has been activated, you yeah, know, it's no. like the, the firefighters who mm-hmm. go around when there's a, a national park on fire. I, so the very words you're saying, Gene, I was sharing with somebody else. What will become in terms of the, the vocational uh, call? Will there be a renaissance, if you will, across dioceses in the country? And so what God is doing you know, remains to be seen. And I won't over explain that. But, you know, I think you touched on something here is that, you know, you know, our use of technology, the church, always a step or two behind. I mean, some are very innovative, obviously, Bishop Barron and lots of people and, you know, lots of savvy people who've kind of filled that void, if you will. But does this become ever integrated in our evangelical mission in a way that, yeah, it was a kind of an addendum. It was a kind of, you know, extraneous piece because it's always with that that primary human contact that is always, I think, going to be the norm. I don't think we're going to look for, well, now you can go to confession remotely, you know, or that... Uh, yeah, I saw an know, article that that's actually know, been decided, you know, that, that the, no, you can't do that. Yeah, that the drone will drop off the, the Eucharist after you watch the Mass on online, you know, or, or whatever is going on, if you have Amazon Prime or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but, that, that, but I think it will uh, maybe allow us to to be ever more ambassadors of the word, ambassadors of presence, that, yes, it, it can be incorporated into how we engage and commune with each other, even if it'll never be a substitute 
mm-hmm. for for the for the very same scale that Jesus in the you know Acts of the Apostles manifested himself in the in the resurrection appearances you know breaking through the locked doors breaking through the locked doors so as we've sheltered ourselves now as technology helping to open those doors and to allow Jesus to come in a way that not generationally only the young mm-hmm. or others who are already cued into this but that the rest of us see ah I'm not left alone. You know, Christ didn't press down the road without glancing my way. He, you know, I I bumped up against him and something from him went out and there's something healing where I just need to know that somebody knows, mm-hmm. you know, that, that he knows me, that he looks at me, that his contact and touch with me sometimes felt. And when you have those pervasive moments when the emotions are overwhelmed, those are hugs from God. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, that kind of nakedness of faith and that poverty of who we are before God, that, you know, like Mother Teresa, 30-some years without felt consolation, you know, but yet there she was every morning at 4.30 a.m. adoring him in the Blessed Sacrament, even though she never felt anything. And this was disturbing for her at times. Right, and she didn't want anyone to know it. Right. You know, that she was willing to keep that in in her heart. You know, we all know if we talk about it, it, it makes it a little better and... And oh, God bless her. Mm -hmm. Bishop Jones, I want to thank you so much for joining me today on Straight Talk uh, to have this conversation about the Eucharist, this Holy Week that's coming up. I think it could be our best Holy Week ever if we embrace that, you know, the empty tomb. We have empty churches. You know, there wasn't a big cathedral when Jesus rose from the dead, you know, that it was empty and we are all called to go out. Could you offer a blessing for our listeners as they go into what will soon be the Triduum? Thank you for asking, certainly. So, Almighty God, you know the ache of your people who sigh and cry out to you, who long to commune with you, to know your risen presence breaking into our felt absence. May your Spirit descend upon all here. May their own prayers and spiritual sacrifices be pleasing to you, a fragrant offering rising before the throne of God, where the heavenly liturgy in which all masses participate may uh, be a source of great consolation, patience, until we pass over to that promised place that you have set in store for us. May the power of the cross be upon all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you, Bishop, for joining me. And, and thanks to our producer, Jimmy Olson. Today, I'm Jean Wells. And today, asking Jesus in the most blessed sacrament to heal us. Iowa Catholic Radio and Straight Talk are on the air because of your prayers and your generosity. I thank you. And please consider, as you can, a tax-deductible gift to Iowa Catholic Radio online at iowacatholicradio.com. Straight Talk is every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and rebroadcast at 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. You can always find us on podcast. Stay tuned for Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. God bless. Straight Talk, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio with Gene Wells. Brought to you by Blackbird Investments.